the pathway to power. That's what I'm calling it. Father, may your word bring life. May your word that is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. May it bring life. May it search our hearts. Search my heart, God. Search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. May all of us who hear your word today take stock of ourselves and obey the word of the Lord. And I have several uh, scriptures. John 15, 26 to 27, Luke 24, 49, Acts 1, 8, Acts chapter 2, and 1 to 4. All of these you can read, but the text that uh, the text that the Holy Spirit really brought me to is Luke 24, 49. <clears throat> the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is what we are talking about today. The coming of the Holy Spirit assures the continuation of what Jesus did and taught while he, Jesus, was in the earth realm in person. So when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit is a divine assurance that the work that Jesus did and the things that he taught will continue. <clears throat> Luke 24, 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The word promise, according to Strong's Dictionary, is both a promise and the thing promised. It's an announcement with a special sense of promise. It's a pledge, an offer. This Greek word for promise tells us what the promise is and then gives the assurance that the thing promised will be done. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endued with power from on high. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 2, 1 through 4 states, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to 
speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, the coming of the Holy Spirit assures the continuation of what Jesus did and taught while he, Jesus, was on the earth in the earth realm. I want you to think about this. There was a group of people that spent for three and a half years with Jesus of Nazareth. This Jesus died as a criminal. And then the same people that was with him for three and a half years, they were persuaded that other people, that they were to persuade other people that Jesus Christ, the one who died as a criminal, had risen from the dead, and that he, Jesus, was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Think about it. This story, the coming of Jesus Christ into the world to live and die for mankind, was the greatest event in human history. The other great event was his band of followers, the church embodying the life of Christ, and continuing the work he had trained them to do. This was not an easy task. When we look at it, when we look at their assignment, from their vantage point, not from our vantage point, when we look at the assignment that Jesus left the disciples to do, their mission had failure written all over it. The fact that their mission did not fail was due and is due to the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that song. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them and he unctionized them with power. They had received the promise from Jesus that the Father would send the Holy Spirit of promise upon them. Jesus told them, that it was better for them that he, Jesus, leave because he's going to send a helper. The Holy Spirit would be able to do more through their lives, hallelujah, than their present reality of having Jesus with them. When we think of the word power, we can think of the military, the United States military. We can think of the electrical sockets. Right? We had problems with electrical sockets this morning. We can think about the engine of our car. Thinking about power. We can also imagine the law. And we could petitions. All these guys that have power. All right? All of these images that I just described speak to power. In other words, they speak to the capacity or the ability to direct influence on our behavior. All right? So when we look at biblical power, talking about God himself, however, God displays the person of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. The early church, according to the book of Acts, they began in power. They moved along as they cultivated the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
They moved in power. They moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. So what do I mean by this word power? Number one, I mean a spiritual energy that can and will produce saints of God in our day and in our time. I'm talking about the power, hallelujah, the power that not only influences, it transforms a person's life. But Lord, when I listened to you this morning, I could not help but shed tears. Because I remember where the Lord has taken you. I see the power of God working in your life and working through your life. It's a power that fills your soul. And it takes a person out of criminal activity. And that soul cries out, what will you have me to do, Lord? That is a direct quote from the Apostle Paul. Number two, I'm talking about a power that will unctionize our worship corporately. I'm talking about a power, hallelujah, that will teach us how to worship in our homes. That we will walk day by day, moment by moment, in the absolute worship of the living God, hallelujah. Cultivating the presence of this almighty God that we say we believe in. A power that will take us beyond our human ability and into the supernatural realm of the... This is what I'm talking about. Number three, I'm talking about a power that will speak of the presence of God for itself. You and I will not have to defend his presence. The power that I'm talking about, a person, the person of the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches me that the presence of God was so great in the early church that the onlookers, the onlookers were afraid to join or come there. Listen. The church brethren, when I was growing up in St. Thomas, number 20 Gamble Garda, that's the address of the church building. When I was growing up in that church, Deacon Felicia, the Holy Spirit was so real, the people in the neighborhood stayed away, right? There used to be people who would come looking in at the church window. When the Holy Spirit fell, not a man. Not a woman. So, oh, what I'm talking about. Because I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit in action. I have seen the power of God. Took a young man in sin. He entered the church door at number 20, Gamble Garda. And the Holy Spirit lifted him up and threw him to the altar. Crying out to God. I'm not talking about something I have not experienced. The Bible tells me in Acts 5, 12 to 13, they feared, they feared, they feared the awesomeness of God. Why? Because it was in Acts 5 where Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. Peter said, you have not lied to me, but you lied to the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, hallelujah, they dropped dead. So fear came upon all. Today we have become consumer Christians. We have become spectators. 
no awe, no fear of God anymore. We are doing, we are busy doing what we think we know to do. It is time for us as the church to stop trying to impress the world and, and sinners alike and get back to the fire of the Holy Ghost and become acquainted once again with the awe-inspiring mystery of the Holy Ghost that confounds the wise and bring men and women, boys and girls, to their knees and repent. We need such a move of God. Number four, I'm talking about a power that make the church invincible, stoppable. Hallelujah. The evangelist Mark tells us in chapter 16, they went everywhere preaching, being with them, working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Number five, the Holy Ghost is the one that saves souls and adds them to the church. However, without the power of God working with us, in us, and through us, we are only beating the I don't know about you, but I need, I need.
tarry. We must tarry. We must pray in prayer. And we wait in the presence of God until we endure with power from on high. Listen, church. I mean every word that I'm saying. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. We need the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because time is winding up. There's no time to play church. God is calling us back to his power. He wants to do something new and fresh in our generation that will make the world stop and notice and turn living God, whose name is Jesus Christ. In the process of tarrying, waiting, and praying to God, God, through the prophet Hosea, gives us some instructions. He says, we have some fallow ground that needs to be broken up. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. He says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Now, this is a farming image. We don't have a city. However, we have, and we all know that the food that we eat comes from, farm, from farmers, right? From the farms. And it is hard work for the farmers. It is, it's literally backbreaking work. I mean, Work is hard, all right? But I'm told there are two kinds of fallow ground. Hosea says we must break up our fallow ground. I'm told there are two kinds. One that has been broken up by the plow and it just sits there. In other words, this kind of ground represents our consumer Christian attitude. Christians that are lazy. Christians that are non-productive, this person, in their Christian walk, they feel contented. It's okay, I could just go to church, listen to a good message, listen to the nice worship, and then go home. They just feel protected by God. They don't want to be bothered. They come to the church, and they might participate in something that does not put demand on them to exert much energy. But overall, the word of God is not penetrating their heart to cause a change in their character, to cause a change in their attitude. They just sit back and watch others change from brown to green and back to brown again. I'm talking about the earth. This fallow ground does not see or experience miracle of growth. It does not experience the new life that comes from the seed because it is afraid of the plow. It's afraid of the blade. It's afraid of the cutting. It is afraid of pain. It's afraid of trouble. Hallelujah. Because you and I know when you pray a prayer, search me, oh God, and see my heart. God is going to bring the plow. He's going to bring the cutlash. He's going to bring the seed. He's going to bring whatever is necessary to cut out sin from my heart, to cut out that bad attitude and transform my character. Break up your fallow ground. Break it up. God is not going to do it. He says, you must do it. I must do it. Things God will not do for us. We want God to do everything. That is that consumer attitude. Give me, give me, give me, give me. God is not going to do it. He says, you take care of it. 
You break it up. Change that attitude. I've done everything. I went to the cross. Let my blood. I've given you my Holy Spirit. Put the Holy Spirit to work in your life. The next type of ground is the field that is cultivated. You know where you plant the seeds, everything. So this ground or this person has surrendered itself to the plow and the farmer's blade and his different tools. What did you read? Psalms, Psalms 18 verse 16. And then you read something else. I cried to the Lord. Right? I cried to the Lord and he heard me. Okay. I cried to the Lord and he heard me. That's breaking up your fallow ground. But there's a ground. This person that is cultivated, that person has surrendered themselves to the farmer's blade and his plow and his different tool. This person will be turned upside down. Right? This person feels the travail of change. It has been bruised and broken, but the rewards are great. The hand of God is at work in this person, in this field. Hallelujah. New life is seen, and the seeing is working its miracle under the mighty hand of God. You begin to bear fruit. Whether you are a carrot or a beet or an onion, I don't care, or lettuce, whatever you are, will be seen. Remember Jesus said, every branch that does not bear fruit, he will take away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I don't know about you right now, but I want to experience God and the fullness of his promise. Why? Because promise is for me and my generation's following. My grandparents believe this. And they and they saw the seed of the word of God in their lives. My parents believed that they saw the seed. And now they have fruit for the glory of God. I pray so in Jesus. I want my fallow ground to be plowed. I want to bear fruit of righteousness because he said we must tell the seeds of righteousness. See, be seen in our lives. The power of God will follow when we are willing to tarry in his presence and yield to the plowing of his word in and through our heart and our mind. Jesus Christ has commissioned us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We study and we can go, but to go we need the power of the Holy Ghost because from his word with signs following. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ. We have been doing things in our flesh. That's why we are so tired. That's why we are so burnt out. Because we don't pray. We are not waiting in the presence of God long enough. But we are doing, 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 doing. Somebody was on my case last week. 
and said, Pastor Rachel, you act as if you are a young woman. The kind of schedule you keep, you're behaving like you're a young woman. I said, it's of God. It doesn't mean I get tired. Yes, of course I get tired. Jesus himself got tired. And he had more of the Holy Spirit than me. But to fulfill the go ye therefore and make disciples commission. We need for the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the presence of Jesus with us. He promised. He says, always. He is with us by the passion of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Hallelujah. As we go and as we are going, we are to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom that says repent for the kingdom of God is near you. This kingdom is the rule of God. Do you know when Jesus sent the disciples out, he told them, if If the folks, you know, I, I, I edited this thing so many times, and still I'm finding mistakes. It's good in your mind when you're typing. Sounds good. But anyway, <laughs> he told them if the folks they were preaching to did not receive their message, they were to say that, said to them, listen to this, even dust your, dust your, dust, dust, in other words, dust the dust of the tongue off your feet and said to them, be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near you. Woo! That's a serious statement. Jesus told them, tell them, you don't want what we are giving you, but know this for surety. Belmont area, the kingdom of God has come near you. In other words, the rule of God has come near you. As long as we keep moving, the Lord will be with us. He will work with us and conform his word with signs following. Remember that God works in ways we might not understand. We look for the big boom. We look for the explosion of what we think power looks like. But do not forget, God's power can come in the stillness, right? To be sensitive to his still small voice. The principle is this. Let us go and live daringly. Let us go and live audaciously. Let us go and live courageously for Jesus Christ. We cannot and must not do this in our own flesh. We need the power of the Holy Ghost that is always available. The power stops when we don't need his help. Talked about, um, he says, only when we get in trouble, we pray. This is what I'm saying. When we become successful, we don't, we stop. We don't need it. And when we stop, his power stops. The power is available when we make ourselves available. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we need our own experiences with the Holy Spirit in this day and time. 
it's good to read and hear about others, other people's experience, but it's time that we read and hear about our own. So let us understand. The acts of the church through the working of the Holy Spirit continues. We serve the same God as the early disciples and as the early disciples. The one who created this universe is limitless and he has not stopped creating or working wonders. What a, is not a fairy tale. Listen to me. It's not a bear Nancy story. God has given us himself in the person of Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ promised us that he will always be with us even to the end of the age. So let us tarry. Let us learn how to tarry and let us learn how to wait. I have a quote here from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer says, the church that fears the plow writes its own epitaph. In other words, if we are afraid of God's plowing us, we have just written and he says the church that uses the plow, which is the word of God, walks in the way of revival. So, the plow is the word of God, prayer, and the Holy Spirit working together to advance the kingdom of God through his church. So let us put the word of God and the spirit of God to work in us and through us. But the question is, are you willing to be cultivated? Are you willing to tarry? Are you willing to pray and to wait in his presence? Each of us must answer this question for ourselves. God is able to transform us if we are willing. Prayer will make the difference in our power experience. Prayer will make the difference in our power experience. Praise God.